Thank you for joining us in Season 2 of the Religion Podcast, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. Hello, Joel. Hello, Rabbi Eric. <laughs> that dramatic pause. How are you? What's up? After we clap, our one, two, three clap, that dramatic pause to see which one of us is going to speak first. I Nobody else gets to see that, but it's hilarious. It is. It is. I wanted to make sure the pause was synchronized just as the clap was. How are you? I'm vertical. How are you? <laughs> That's your go-to. I'm vertical. <laughs> I got in, that from my stepfather my old... a long time ago. <laughs> In my old synagogue in Omaha, or my former synagogue, uh, one of my colleagues used to say, tremendous. And you never knew if it was actually tremendous or kind of a sarcastic, well, tremendous. <laughs> so th- th- that's a go-to of mine sometimes as well. That's right. Well, vertical is mine because it doesn't give you a whole lot of detail about anything else. It's just no. a physical no. state of uprightness. <laughs> So how is your? Even as you're sitting. Yes, even though I'm sitting, that's right. So you're this sabbatical. You're almost on it. How about that? Are you pumped? Almost on it. Eight days from now, I am. Have you I started am. writing I yet? I've I've pre, I'm pre-writing, and as a matter of fact, I'm actually intentionally not writing because I I want to be deliberate about it. Because now I might get you know thirty minutes here, forty five minutes there, and I'm organizing now. Um, but the plan is uh, once it's next Wednesday, because we have a, a board meeting next Tuesday. So next Wednesday, I'll drop Aaron off at daycare at 8 a.m. And I'll go into a coffee shop for uh, four hours or so and just write and think and ideate, as they as the geeks say. Ideate. You should probably not connect to the Wi-Fi while you're there. Otherwise, you'll get sucked into some internet search hole and never come out. Yeah. I probably will be connected to Wi-Fi, but the issue is um, what am I doing on said Wi-Fi? But you you are absolutely correct. Yes, be careful. Don't don't let Facebook or YouTube grab you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, ask me in a month. <laughs> It is a tricky thing doing the sound on a podcast when you realize there are probably five or six devices around Eric and at least two or three around me, and all of them make noise and want our attention 24-7. So for for me and Eric to set aside an hour or so to have a 35-minute listenable conversation, those beeps are stacking up behind a big dam. And when we turn on notifications again, they slap us upside the head like, where have you been? And that's not even to to talk about the notifications we get from our dogs when we're home. That's like a whole nother thing. <laughs> Mine's right behind me here at the church. He, he, he's got a, his own bed. And oh, the nice that you study. bring him. I love Is that ever um, an issue? Uh, for, to bring, for Neville, bring no. I, it could be, right? But for well, Neville, no. no. He's Everybody oh, looks I at see. him and gets a little scared, and then Got they it. meet him, and they're like, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting debate. And I certainly resp- – you know, some people, whether rational or not, like religion, uh, have an absolute fear of dogs. And then some people are genuinely allergic. And so, you know, that's 
the the dog's behavior and demeanor, of course, doesn't matter if that's the case. But it's a it's an interesting conversation <laughs> that we're not going to have today. That's right. We are going to talk. We but we are going to talk about a trait that dogs have. About Joel, I'm stealing your job of bad transitions. <laughs> a, a trait that uh, dogs have, which is of course being loyal. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, yeah, loyalty, loyalty of God, loyalty to peoplehood. Um, and, of course, it's not lost on us, as you mentioned in the pre-show, Joel, that, uh, you know, as listeners uh, hear this episode, it will be close to either before or after July 4th. And so loyalty to tribe, I put tribe in quotes, you know, the, the American tribe, the Christian tribe, Jewish tribe, atheist tribe, how, whatever it is. And so, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely some troubling texts with regard to loyalty. Uh, who, who should start today? Either way, uh, as we're unpacking it, I wonder how religious people think of loyalty. Uh, I think sometimes religious people have a very high expectation of loyalty. And they think of disloyalty as a critical sin or flaw uh, in a person's character. Uh, and if somebody chooses to be disloyal to their tribe or their family, then they are really a traitor and uh, perceived as beyond the love of that community or the love of that family or even the love of God. And the question is, is that how Scripture talks about it? Where is the line between good, healthy commitment slash loyalty and loyalty to something that is doing harm, uh, loyalty beyond what is is wise or smart or even helps bring in God's kingdom? Uh, is there a way to differentiate those those uh, differences between loyalty that is, uh, I'm going to stay loyal to you and faithful to you through the tough times versus I'm going to give up on you the first time you make me angry, and loyalty to you even though you're abusive or violent or hurting others, I'm still loyal to you. Uh, how do we differentiate this term and this character loyalty so that the texts point us to healthy embodiments of loyalty and away from unhealthy, uh, blind embodiments well, of loyalty. So with that question, Joel, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start because I, I think there's a beautiful link that, that I don't want to say answers that question, but certainly uh, is, is in the framework of, of what you're addressing. And that's the fifth commandment, which uh, anyone who's a parent... <laughs> certainly knows the fifth commandment. Uh, as written in Exodus, it's honor your father and mother. Um, it, discussion for another time or another podcast, but in Deuteronomy, and of course you know this, uh, the commandments are repeated, but they're repeated almost like a game of telephone where they're uh, summarized and again repeated, but not quite the same. And one of those differences is the commandment is reversed to say honor your mother and father, which in this in this case is actually a beautiful the the midrash the explanation for this is that uh, mother and father are both equal in um, deserving of honor, but the the Hebrew word 
is kavod, which means uh, it, it comes from the same root as heavy. You know, like if something is physically heavy, weighs a lot. And and when we think of someone deserving honor, there's a there's a heaviness, there's a weight to how someone deserves to be treated. You know, when you when you uh, visit someone or or uh, have an audience with someone, a meeting someone that's important, you're going to dress nicer, you're going to act nicer, you're going to use you're you're not going to use words that you might use with your friend Eric or with my with my friend Joel, right? And so the. One of the things that I am very quick to point out is it is not obey your father and mother. It is honor, respect your father and mother. And we all have people in our family, or most of us have people in our family that, quite frankly, we may not respect. Or or possibly they've done something horrible that we can't forgive them for, to harken back to last week's topic of forgiveness. And I think that there is room to both follow that commandment and the way that you feel with integrity um, about that person. And one way that I've framed that before is you honor, especially your, your parents, that you, you honor them because they created you. And so if, if not for anything else, you, one, is supposed to be grateful to them for creating you. And that doesn't mean, I mean, God, we all want a wonderful relationship with our family. And of course, we wish that upon every child. Um, but when that's not the case, one still can abide by that commandment and by their own truth, so to speak. Nice. So and so they don't have to be loyal to the you know to the bad parent. Mm-hmm. Or obey, right? If if the bad parent gives them a unfollowable command, they aren't breaking a commandment by disobeying their parent. And there is a way to honor the image of God in their parent by disobeying them. If the parent's instruction is is out of bounds, did you say that the it, word kavod? That's the one that is sometimes translated as obey or honor. And you're saying it's not obey; it is honor, and it comes from the it same is root. Definitely that, not obey. Okay, and it comes from the same Correct. root that means a weight. So that that's perfect, right? Because if I think of parents, like when my when my mom was still alive, um, she had a lot of weight in my decision. Uh, I gave her opinion a lot of weight, but she also put a lot of pressure on me, mom pressure that felt like a weight on me to abide her way. And, and so it has a beautiful double-edged sword there. Um, the positive sure. of her, use her wisdom, use her experience and honor her, but also, um, ugh, that, that unabidable, uh, mommy guilt that she would try to impose sometimes. <laughs> Oh, I, I thought that I thought that was a Jewish thing. I, I guess that's uh, more universal than that. <laughs> that lines up with the one that came to me. So, if if you search for the word loyal or loyalty in all the the Greek New Testament, it's just not there. Uh, it shows up in three obscure little letters at the very end 
as an adjective of somebody that the author is writing to. So-and-so, so-and-so, my loyal servant. So-and-so, so-and-so, my loyal servant. But it is never, that word, loyal, loyalty, is never there um, as a character or a trait or a description in any of Jesus's metaphors or any of Paul's stuff about how to live a life behind uh, behind Christ. So the one that stuck out to me, though, because of that honor, your your parents, is this odd little story from Matthew 12. Um, and Jesus was talking to the crowds or something. And uh, the his parents, well, his mother and brother's family, are waiting for him. They're they're outside and they're waiting for him and they're wanting to talk to him. And so someone kind of tells Jesus, "Hey, your your mother and your brothers, they're they're outside. They they want to speak to you." As if they're interrupting or getting impatient. Um and to that person who tells Jesus that message, Jesus says, "Who is my mother? Who are my brothers?" And then he points to those in the room who are listening and he goes, "Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So he had this, he had a higher sense of loyalty in a way um, to those who were willing to dive into who God is and what God wants uh, for the world than he did to the people who shared some genetic material with him. And and that's an interesting way to hear Jesus talk about family loyalty, um, as if his loyalty to the family of God, the greater family of God, is the more important thing to him than his loyalty to his blood family. Hmm. That's powerful, especially as we think about the power that tribalism has and, and it, that it reaches way beyond religion, of course, but, you know, we all define ourselves in different groups and subgroups. And of course the groups that we're not in as well. And for Jesus to say that actually we are all in the same group, which, you know, mirrors that oft repeated line of being created in the image of God. And how, how does that influence our behavior? Um, that that's a powerful one. What what makes that troubling for you? So how, how many people do you think of who will talk about religion and say, I've got to put my family first, right? I've got to put my family first. I can't, um, that's the most important thing to me is my family. The way Jesus talked about family is those who do the will of God are the most important family. So if I bump into somebody who's using family as their highest priority in their life, which our American culture tends to appreciate and and admire sure. and even suggest, um, the pushback to that, the troubling aspect of that is, well, you, for those that you notice, whether or not they are genetic family, who are doing the will and the work of God, that's your more important family. And those who aren't, even if they are family, they are your less important family. We can all be one family, but spend your time with and your effort with and your energy with and your resources with those you feel are really doing the, the work of God. Very nice. That's a good sermon right there. 
it's it's hard in this era, right? This political era, because people will get so deep into a tribe that they will believe they are doing God's will, God's work in that tribe and abandon some of their family connections because their family doesn't talk about God or or think patriotism is being embodied in the right way. And so I see people embodying Jesus's advice, but in ways that don't look like kingdom of God to me. So I get really, Mm. I get nervous for them. Like they are abandoning family. They are severing relationships with family to go do what's right. And then I see other people who are definitely loyal to family and sacrifice any effort for God's kingdom just to stay loyal to their blood relatives. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're going to get into it in a few weeks when we talk about obedience. But this, that what you, the the tension that you just described is exactly what makes the story of the Akedah, Abraham's attempted sacrifice of his son Isaac, so damn powerful. It, because he he loves Isaac. And that that's a part of the story sometimes people don't realize. Oh, he didn't care about his son. No, that it's the exact opposite. That it's and God even says, take your son, the one that you love, which of course is problematic because that means he doesn't love his other son, Ishmael. We'll put that aside for right now. Um, <laughs> but that God placed a higher loyalty on God. I'm sorry, Abraham placed a higher loyalty on God than he did his own son. Now, the reason I'm not talking about that in this week's episode, even though, of course, I just did, is because to me, that's more about obedience because God commanded Abraham do it. The, what I'm about to share is, is more loyalty because God doesn't command it and also highly troubling. It's the story of Pinchas. And so, and Pinchas, he was an Israelite, a, a little bit uh, elevated in terms of leadership and um, uh, kind of birth status in, into the tribe he was born in. But he took it upon himself to kill a fellow Israelite and his wife or the woman he was sleeping with because she wasn't an Israelite. And, uh, you know, and of course, the the argument of interfaith relationships and marriage you know, continues thousands of years later in, in all religions. I mean, Judaism, of course, is not unique to that. Um, what makes this story troubling to me is that afterwards, God rewards Pinchas. And first of all, the, the Torah portion is named after him because of this. And so this is what God says, and uh, I'll post a link to, to the text in the show notes. Uh, God says to Moses, this is in the book of Numbers, The priest Pinchas turned my anger away from the sons of Israel by bringing my rights to bear in their midst. Therefore, I shall give to him my covenant of shalom, of peace, and everlasting priesthood. And so it's troubling that God rewards Pinchas' behavior. But in, in this case, Pinchas acted alone. He was not told to do this. He was not asked to do this. He came up with it on his own as a way to be loyal to God from his perspective. And of course that loyalty caused death and suffering. Uh, but it was also, again, and I'm, you know, cherry picking a short part of the Torah. <laughs> I want to be clear about that, uh, but God's happy about it. Right. And, and that's what makes this a troubling text. 
if you look for the, that term loyalty all through the the Hebrew Bible or or the New Testament, there's there aren't a lot of places, but the concept is there regularly. So I'm I'm glad you're finding a way to look for that concept. There there are three prophets that use it directly. It's Hosea, Jonah, Micah, um, and I think it's interesting that the biggies. Ezekiel and Isaiah don't use the term, whatever that is, uh, that in English becomes loyalty. But Hosea, Jonah, Micah do. Um, and it's all in that time of uh, accusing Israel that they're not being faithful. They don't, they don't know what it's like to be loyal to, to me anymore. They're worshiping idols and they're, they're not remembering who it is that brought them out. There's something about that season of God's people that we imagine God demanding our loyalty and we were willing to say it like that with with that forceful term of loyalty as opposed to obedience or love and and I wonder how you and I unpack we we might need to nuance that here a bit like what is the difference between love loyalty and obedience with love I imagine my, my first kind of Rorschach test of love is that it's between two equals. There's not necessarily a power dynamic. Now, certainly between a person and God, there's a power dynamic. But in terms of just the concept love versus obedience, obedience, there's a power dynamic. Loyalty you know, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, like mob movies where, oh, he was a he was a loyal capo. He was a loyal soldier. Therefore, we're going to we're going to treat his family better. We're going to do we're going to do right by him. I mean, look, I think loyalty, there's a there's a um, there's an experience factor in terms of time. You know, you, you might be able to love someone quickly. But loyalty is built up over time. You can only say that someone's loyal after you've had several, if not many, experiences with them. Um, I don't know how I would define it in terms of religion and spirituality, though. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, the Proverbs point to what loyalty does, uh, especially in their, not early or, you know, in the descriptions of wisdom, but they just point to it really fast. Um, Those who plan good find loyalty and faithfulness. Uh, is uh, one weird little Proverbs from 1422, or another, uh, what is desirable in a person is loyalty, and it is better to be poor than a liar. Um, so they're defining mm. loyalty a little bit like somebody who tells you the truth. Um, and loyalty and faithfulness seem to be paired, whatever those Hebrew terms might be, um, quite often like Proverbs twenty twenty eight loyalty and faithfulness pr- preserve the king, and the king's throne is upheld by righteousness. So there's something about loyalty, faithfulness, righteousness um, that build uh, somebody you can count on and depend on, and who gets uh, support from the people that they are in relationship with. Um, but I I see how it's different than love, and I see how it's different than a obedience, but it's still hard to put words to. Oh, yeah. And, you know, spe- the, the other aspect of loyalty, too, from within the Torah is not just our loyalty to God, but God's loyalty to us as the Israelite people, which is also, you know, there's not just one text to point to here. There, there's dozens where God essentially, you know, helps the helps the Israelites 
get rid of the the Hittites and the uh, the, uh, the Moabites and this list of native people that lived in the promised land so that the Israelites could live there safely. And that that too, you know, we go back to that word tribalism, that God was loyal to the Israelites. When the Israelites were uh, enslaved in Egypt at the beginning of Exodus, God heard their cry. You know, I, it's not like no one else in the world was suffering, right? I mean, just like now, you can't die, you can't put all of your efforts everywhere. You have to choose something, and so you choose to hear one, you know, one or two or three different things. Well, God chose to hear, according to Exodus and the Jewish story, if you will. God chose to hear the crying of the Israelite people. I mean, that—that's to me, that's a kind of loyalty. And that's what the covenant is. You know, God gives Abraham the covenant. Um, it's misunderstood sometimes as if that, you know, Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people, are yes, we're the chosen people. Um, but it, there is also a covenant on the side of us to God also, that God, God is both loyal to us and we are to God as well. I've had my eyes open all this week for, and for a couple weeks now as we got ready for it, for um, examples of bad loyalty. And one that, that I'm, I don't know, this might work, um, the officer that was just convicted for George, Flo- George Floyd's murder. Um, did you watch the sentencing or anything about the sentencing part of his? I, I read it. I read about it. I did not watch it. So he gets up, um, Chauvin, is that his name, right? He gets up and he mm-hmm. talks a little bit. And, of course, all of the family talks a little bit. Oh, Sh- right. His family spoke in his defense as a character witness or something, right? Yeah. So his mom said, I, I still believe you're innocent um, and I always will. And there's been some, some pushback on that and some support. And the the summary of those responses to his mother supporting him, a convicted murderer, is that, well, of course she's going to do that. That's her son. That's just a mother's loyalty to him. And at the same time, there's some other pushback that said she can love him and be loyal to the relationship between the two of them but not have to say he's innocent, not have to say she she believes that he didn't do it when there's a nine and a half minute video that says he did. And yes. what does it mean for that mother's sense of loyalty to her son now to come out of her in a way that calls the dead person a liar as opposed to her son. I love you, son, and I'll support you always, but you killed him, and I'm so sorry you're going to be suffering those consequences now. Could she be loyal to him and not buy into the uh, disproven defense? Yeah, I I think those are... 
great questions. And they also go back to what you were talking about, about Jesus' story, which clearly uh, has stayed with me. Um, I wonder how my synagogue would feel if I gave a sermon uh, using some of these examples, because they're quite powerful. Um, <laughs> he was just that, another rabbi. It's It would work. He was just another Jew. That's right. Um yeah, I mean, my wife and I talk about this sometimes. Like, their unconditional love is not the same as you know, defend at all costs. If, if and I'll, yeah, yeah. Well, and and as we approach July Fourth, right? That's that's kind of the issue. There's there's this pull by some in our country. They question. A, a a citizen's loyalty to the country if that citizen is the least bit critical of actions that the country has taken or the least bit critical of the history of our country or if we say you know what this the uh, system of slavery on which this country was built fed into the Civil War, which fed into the Jim Crow laws, which fed into segregation, which fed into the attempt for civil rights and equality, which we still haven't overcome yet. Uh, and if you talk like that, there are folks in our tribe who will call you disloyal to the country. But is it disloyal to the country to tell the truth? Well, this is, I mean, I, I feel this way sometimes I, 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 in the same area, in the, in the same ballpark, I'm not being clear right now, with regard to Israel, that there are some Jews that think that speaking at all critically of Israel is not, is not being loyal. You're not loving Israel. And it's like, hello, we, you complain about America all the time. Well, somehow that's different because, and, and I, I empathize with this argument, even as I vehemently disagree with it, that Israel is besieged all the time from its enemies that literally want it to be erased from existence. So that my sometimes criticism of Israel adds to that. Um, there, there was a recent, there, there was a, piece written recently by uh, someone from Hartman Institute that spoke beautifully about this. I will uh, remember to put that in the show notes. I say that as a, it, so I, I'm self-accountable here. Um, well, it's like the thing with your friend, right? That, your that best friend in the world. we need to critique what we love. Yes. Yeah, and your best friend of the world, you can pick on. You can call them out on their stuff. You can really <laughs> confront them and hold them accountable. But if a stranger starts barking at your friend, oh, hell no. <laughs> right? Right. You're going to get right, between right, right, right. that stranger and your best friend. Uh, and the stranger might be right, but they haven't earned the relational loyalty to step into that kind of confrontation uh, with someone. And maybe that's it. Maybe, uh, maybe like you said, loyalty is kind of an earned thing, but it doesn't just mean that um, you have to earn my loyalty. It means I have to prove myself loyal long enough to earn the depth of relationship with you. Uh, I, I think sometimes like loyalty has to be earned or trust has to be earned. We only see that the other direction as opposed to accepting that we have to invest uh, 
uh, enough of ourselves honestly, repeatedly show up again and again and again to really be perceived as loyal by those we we call um, our family. And I think Judaism speaks very um, highly to this standpoint in terms of Torah, that we are not loyal to a person. And yes, sure, we're loyal to God, but ultimately that reflects itself or that show, demonstrates itself by being loyal to Torah. And um, th- that that is a beautiful and powerful concept to me because it's not about a person. It's not about a personality. Uh, it, it's about... Um, it's about something that moves and grows with us, as we say that Revelation is ongoing. There's another text uh, in in your scriptures from Ruth, where when when Ruth sure. goes back home, she follows the instruction of her mother-in-law and uh, puts herself uh, beside Boaz, and Boaz considers that an instance of her loyalty. Um, it, and by the way, what she says, if you're referring to, you know, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God, is that what you're referring to? Uh, I think she says that to Naomi, not to Boaz. But I, yes, I'm, that's right. I'm talking about the one where Boaz says to Ruth, this instance of your loyalty to me, um, because you didn't go after the younger, richer guys, <laughs> that that says something about you. And part of why Boaz agrees to honor the the tradition is because Ruth, who wasn't even of the the Jewish people, but had married into it, she, he she honored the loyalties of the people in such a way that it surprised him in a way that he didn't expect. And it's such a powerful moment going back to uh, Ruth with Naomi. Um, this line, your God shall be my God, um, that it's often used publicly as part of a conversion service. When someone converts to Judaism, they publicly say, it's not just your God that will be my God, your people will be my people. And, you know, I, I often talk about that you cannot separate Judaism from the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a loyalty there. It, it, there's a saying that we have, um, uh, each Israelite, each Jewish person is responsible for the other. Now, in my liberal understanding of Judaism, you know, as a Reformed Jew, I retranslated them. I retranslate that in my head as every Jew is, or sorry, each person is responsible for the other. But the truth is, we all are tribalistic. And we have a certain loyalty to our tribes that we don't have to others. A, a, a very painful example, a recent example, is the the horrible tragedy of the Surfside condominium that collapsed. So I, I'm sure many, if not our, all of our listeners are aware of this. Most of the people who cannot be found and unfortunately are you know likely to, to be dead were Jews. And that does hit in a certain way differently. It just does. You know, when you find out that someone you knew growing up died tragically, even if you weren't close to them, 
that hits you in a different way than someone that you had no connection to. It doesn't mean that they're not both sad or that you don't have empathy for a tragedy. Um, but it, those ties, those loyal ties of tribalism are incredibly hard not only to pry apart, but even to discern. Sometimes it's so a part of us that we don't even that we don't even realize it. And I, I, I don't think that that's bad in and of itself. But I do think that we have to realize it because at times we we can be like Pinchas and make the other choice. I wonder if there was some tribal loyalty in the inspector who turned in a report about the degrading concrete. I wonder if there was some tribal loyalty in the inspection department that said, no, 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 it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. As opposed to somebody in that department having the integrity to say, it is not fine. This is structurally, in my opinion, it is dangerous. And it reminds me of the Space Shuttle well, Challenger problem, right? That, I mean, Joe, literally the next sentence out of my mouth. Literally the next sentence out of my mouth. Yes. Those engineers who just, they knew something was wrong. And they said, hey, in really cold temperatures, these O-rings can get a little small. And then the seal is not, doesn't have the same integrity. And, and the big boys up top, they said, we're launching anyway. And the loyalty to the system, NASA system, launched that space shuttle anyway, and they all died midair. Um, and I, there was a Facebook thing. What's the earliest news story you remember? I, I, that's not the earliest, but it's one of them. I, I mean, I was probably 16, but I was watching that Chernobyl live. Chernobyl is mine. Yeah. I was watching it live. But I, but boom, I, right? Just yeah, like, Sam, Sam. So what does that mean when we realize, okay, there's a health to tribal loyalty? It keeps us tighter to one another. It makes us hold on to one another. If we get to something really hard, we support one another. We don't just let go at the first sign of trouble. Or if somebody does lie to us but then apologizes, we hold on anyway and we, we use forgiveness like we talked about last week. Versus this kind of blind tribal loyalty that has nothing to do with truth or honesty or righteousness. It's just, well, these are my people and whatever they say, I'm believing. That's QAnon loyalty. That's dangerous loyalty. And I think there are things about scripture that encourage dangerous tribal loyalty. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even how we define ourselves. You know, I am not only Jewish, I am a Reformed Jew. You are not only Presbyterian, but you are part of a particular, you know, brand, if you will, right, of, of Presbyterianism. And those distinctions mean something. And, and I think you're right that we choose them because they do help us live better lives, more holy lives, happier, more peaceful, all of those things. Uh, but th there's possibly another side to that. Now, neither one of us are going to, you know, murder someone because we think that God wants us to. But there's a huge spectrum of behavior um, between nothing and that most egregious, devastating thing as well. And we're, we are on that spectrum. All of us are. There are a lot of texts in, in the Hebrew scriptures where God tells the people, hey, I'm on y'all's side and I'm going to help you kill everybody else and clear the land. Well that's for my you. point. Yeah. And and those texts, that's how they felt about it. And that's how they wrote it down. 
okay. And as you march around the walls and then all the walls tumble and you go into the city and you take it over, right? You, you woohoo, God's on our side. Our tribe wins against this other tribe. Um, but the, I, I bump into people now who say, I really don't understand why the Hebrew Bible talks about war like that. Why, why is it okay for God's special little tribe to go kill all these other people of God? Why, why is that okay? And why, why did Jesus not talk like that? Um, if that's who God really is, then why didn't Jesus go, yeah, Judas, go get me an army. We're about to conquer Rome and Jerusalem and all the above. He, he, he talked about it so differently. Um, and there are a lot of Christians who don't understand why the sense of loyalty to God got you military victory in some sections of the Hebrew Bible. Um, and, and then they read it differently once we get to the Greek New Testament. But even the military, one thing that, that gives me a, a bit of, I don't know if solace is the right word, is even the military victory isn't enough because God in Deuteronomy or Moses in Deuteronomy says that, you know, yes, we won the land, but we have to deserve it. We have, we have to live according to the mitzvot, according to the, uh, according to the Torah in order to merit what we just won. So there, there is a, a bit of a counterbalance there. Nice. Um, and the but fact that they it lost it the... and never got it back. Like, even still <laughs> right. today, like, when you go kill, even to get land, under the assumption that God promised you that land, you are breaking God's commandment to not kill in order to get it. So there's a hypocrisy in your tribal um, justification that God says, don't kill. How dare you kill? You're not allowed to kill inside the tribe, but the tribe is allowed to kill outside of the tribe to get the land that we deserve. That kind of hypocrisy is the two-faced loyalty that I think makes religious loyalty problematic. And this is why I think a lot of Jews that I know in terms of you know people who define themselves uh, as Reformed Jews or more liberal Jews have real problems with defining oneself as part of the chosen people, and, and that can mean all sorts of things. And again, that that's another conversation, another theological concept. Um, but you know, I it, it does not serve my the, the God that I want to believe in or. Um, humankind to think that God loves me more than you simply because of my genetics, that I was born from Abraham. Not directly, of course, but. Well, we were all born from Adam somehow. So uh, there comes a point where we'd have to decide, all right, who are the Cains and who are the Abels? Right. That's right. Yeah, and that's what we've been doing ever since. We've been trying to sort out God's people into Cain's and Abel's. Who's who's worthy, who's not worthy, who gets it, who doesn't. Who does God love, who does God reject, no matter how hard they try to be loved. Um, and that's yeah. that's where we get into God's loyalty. For me, the way I read the texts, from the beginning, where God created it and called it very good, to the very end, for me, where God is bringing in new community God's loyalty to us 
despite our proven, <laughs> displayed misloyalties <laughs> to God, is the thing that gives me hope. And I trust that God's loyalty is going to win out over my disloyalty. Beautiful. Do you find yourself where where you're when you figure out how long ago something was you're all, you're off by one year? No, I still can do it by. This day. has happened to me three times today, <laughs> where it, either I, I'll, I'll think something happened two years ago, but it was really three years ago, or that someone joined the temple two years ago, but really it was three years ago. Yeah, because we we lost a year. Yeah, you're in suspended animation. Oh uh, well, good talking to you, Joel. We we need now that you uh you you got the less. Lesser Xbox, we can uh, maybe engage in some of that at some point. I hope to. What's on our plate for next week? What is on our plate for next week? Uh, gender inequality. Oh, boy. Supreme Court just laid down yeah. a, a ruling yesterday or today yes, about did. some of this. So this will be very timely. Uh, ni- nice, small, easy topic. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, peace out, brother, and see you soon. Yep. Keep it real, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Real Religion Podcast today, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. I'm Reverend Joel Talbert, and on behalf of Rabbi Eric Linder and all the Real Religion fans out there, we thank you for being with us today. And invite you to send us any feedback or suggestions or topic ideas to realigionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it real.